0: Hey guys, welcome to Pursuing Jesus podcast. This is episode 21. We're talking about Lazarus and why Jesus wept. My name is Shane Winnings. I want to thank you for joining and thank you for listening. You know, we have, we've done 20 episodes so far. This is the 21st and we have over 30,000 streams in the first month. And I just want to say thank you because all of this is possible because of people like you that listen. Listen. And I want to invite you to partner with us. You know, I am an unpaid missionary. I don't get a check from anywhere. And so I fully live and support my family and everything that I do. All of my ministry trips are from your generosity. All of this podcast equipment was because of your generosity. And in order to keep us going, we need monthly partners who will come alongside us and just say, Hey, I believe in what God is doing in your life. And I want to sow into your ministry. And so if that's you, if you've ever felt a pull to give or Maybe you're, you're, you're not tithing at a church, you don't have a place to get plugged in, or you want to support a missionary, uh, maybe consider partnering with me. You can give a monthly gift through Anchor, which is the streaming service we use for the podcast. All you have to do is click on the description of this episode, and it should say, support this podcast. Or you can go to shanewinnings.com and click give, and we're asking people to consider a small donation of $5 a month. Some people give 10, some people give 25. We have a few friends that give over $100 or $200 a month, whatever you are able, but we're asking people to consider a small gift of $5 a month. Also, I want to mention I am trying to raise $10,000 for ministry events this year. I'm putting on two conferences, one in Miami and one uh, in Redding, California, for youth. We're doing digital missions training. We're going to train thousands of youth on how to spread the gospel online. And so we'll be traveling, me and a small team, out to Miami, out to California to put on these events. And of course, they're going to be absolutely free for the youth. And so, you know, we have to pay for our flights and lodging and for speakers that we're bringing in and for the the building that we're using and all of the resources we're going to be needing. So that's going to be about $10,000. If you want to help us give towards that, go to my website, shanewinnings.com. It is a tax-deductible gift, Um, so keep that in mind. And I want to thank you. Thanks for partnering with us. Make sure you follow this podcast. Hit the bell. Turn on notifications so you get updates for new episodes like this one. And let's get into it. John 11 talks about Lazarus. And many people, I have heard this preached, that Jesus wept because his friend had died. And they, and they use this, and I want to say this first of all, there's many different interpretations of Scripture, there's many different beliefs about theology and all kinds of things, and really, if it's not a salvation issue or it's not absolutely heretical... I don't see the point in fighting over it. I believe in a healthy debate, healthy discussion. But I'm not here to tear down anyone's teaching. I'm not even here to say that mine is absolutely correct. But I believe this is an important topic that we need to understand. I do not believe that Jesus wept because Lazarus had died. Now, the reason that I'm going to say this is because I believe the scriptures show And the way Jesus talks and what he says shows that there is a much greater point that Jesus was trying to make that led him to weep. And the reason that I want to do this, and some people that I respect very much and love have preached that Jesus is close to us in death. And we see that in Lazarus' story where he wept beside his tomb. I do believe that Jesus is compassionate. He's the most compassionate, loving, understanding, empathetic person in the entire human existence. But this is not the story to use for that. And the reason it's not is because Jesus was addressing a much greater issue in people and one that we still battle today in the body of Christ, and that is unbelief. And so that's why I'm going after this today. I believe that the scriptures will speak for themselves. I'm going to present the scriptures to you. I'm going to read the story to you and let you make your own conclusion. But I will make a case on why I believe Jesus wept because of unbelief and why he did not weep because his friend had died. So let's quickly read the story. It's... John 11, 1 through 40, if you want to pull your Bible out, you can pause this podcast, get your Bible out, John 11, verse 1, and we'll read together. This is from the New King James Version. Here's what it says. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him and said, Lord, Behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was. Notice this. When Jesus hears that the one he loves is sick, his first response is not, "Oh my gosh, my friend, how is he doing? I need to" he says, "this sickness isn't unto death. It's for the glory of God that's going to be revealed through me." And then he and then he stays where he's at. He doesn't even go see his friend. He stays for two more days. Okay? We're picking up in verse 7. Then after this, he said to the disciples, "Let us go to Judea again." The disciples said to him, "Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And you are going to go there again?" Jesus said, Are there not twelve hours in a day? I love how he responds to people. (laughs) If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. and Listen to this. And I'm glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. So check this out. First, no one tells Jesus Lazarus is dead. He knows. He, he knows. God spoke to him through the Holy Spirit. Word of knowledge. He understands. Lazarus is now dead. Okay? And he tells the disciples, I'm glad that we weren't there. I'm glad we weren't there to help him get better. You're going to understand something. You're going to believe something when you see what's about to happen. So he's setting up the case that there's something they're going to see that is going to make them believe. It's all about belief. There's nothing here that's like, you know, emotionally charged. His friend is sick. His friend is now dead. Jesus did not rush to Lazarus' bedside. He is setting up, he has now told the disciples, and he told Lazarus' sister that, don't worry, this is not going to result in death, okay? Now, verse 16, Then Thomas, who is also called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him, him being capital H, Jesus. Verse 17, So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now this is significant because in that culture, they believe that after three days, the spirit left the body. So if someone was dead four days, there's absolutely no chance that, you know, they were going to, anything was going to happen. They were gone. They were dead. Like it was beyond help. Okay. So it's significant that it's Jesus waited on purpose for the fourth day. Verse 18. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting at the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give to you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now listen to Jesus' response. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went away and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, so now we have the woman weeping, we have Mary weeping, and we have the Jews weeping. Listen to Jesus' response. He groaned in the Spirit and was troubled. This is John 11:33. He doesn't even address, that she is weeping. He doesn't even address her comment, if you had only been here. He doesn't even address the group of Jews that are there crying. He groans in his spirit. Have you ever groaned? Have you ever just been like, ah, like a groan, like a frustration? He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. That's a crazy response to people who are very sad that their friend and their brother is dead. Man, maybe there was something greater that Jesus was there to do. So he doesn't even address them. He groans in the spirit and was troubled. In verse 34, he says, Where have you laid him? Doesn't even respond to her. Lord, if you've been there, he wouldn't have died. He goes, Ugh! And he's troubled, and he says, Where have you laid him? They said, Come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind... Also have kept this man from dying. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. Now listen to this. Jesus goes to the tomb. He's weeping. Why? Because there are tons of people around that have seen him perform miracles. There's people he told Lazarus is not going to die. He will rise again. I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Yes, I believe it. Okay. They're crying, and listen to this. This is this is like a modern version of John eleven thirty seven, when it says some of them were like, "Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also keep this man from dying?" This is basically what they're saying. Jeez, are you kidding me? This guy opens the eyes of the blind. He couldn't have raised this dude from the dead. What's he doing here? He's performed all these miracles. He couldn't just raise this guy from the dead. I thought he was a son of God. I thought he was. I thought he was supposed to be the Messiah. I thought he was Jesus the Christ. What's up with this? That's like how they're talking, guys. That's what they're saying. They're saying, "Couldn't this guy do this like he opened the eyes of the blind?" What's Jesus' response to that comment? He groans in himself. He groans. And listen to what he does. He came to the tomb, it was a cave and a stone lay against it. and Jesus said, "Take away the stone." Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, "Lord, by this time there's a stench. He has been dead four days." She's still, she's in such unbelief that Jesus tells them to take the stone away. He's clearly about to do something. And Martha, the one who he told, this is not going to result in a death. She is now giving him reasons why whatever he's going to do is not going to work. Lord, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead four days. Blah, blah, blah. Earthly wisdom, natural wisdom, human thinking, which the Bible says is sensual and demonic. It's against the way that God thinks. Listen to Jesus' response. Now, this is the sister of Lazarus. Lazarus is dead in the tomb. Jesus is talking to the dead man's sister at his graveside, and listen to what Jesus says. He doesn't say, listen, I know. I know it's hard. I know that you're going through a lot. I understand. Look, death—it's horrible, and it's hard. And, and I just—I'm so sorry. Look, I should—you're I, right. I should have got here sooner. I'm sorry. I'm weeping with you. No, guys, Jesus is compassionate. He is loving, and when we lose someone, He is there with us. But this is not our story. This is Lazarus's story, and this, this happened because the glory of God would be revealed through Jesus Christ that they would see what he was about to do. We can't copy-paste this into every person that dies and says, look, Jesus is with us. The reason that we shouldn't do that is because we take away the seriousness of unbelief and look at Jesus' response. He rebukes the dead man's sister at his graveside. Imagine going to a funeral and rebuking the sister whose brother is now dead because she didn't believe in God. Well, we don't really like that, Jesus. But he takes belief pretty seriously. Why? Because he's not going to be on the earth forever. And he needs people to understand, like, look, I really am who I say I am. I really do the things that God has told me to do. I really came for a purpose, and you guys need to get this soon. That's why he always says, how long am I going to have to be with you guys? He says the same thing to the disciples who couldn't cast the demon out of the boy because of their unbelief. He says, how long do I have to bear with you twisted and perverse and wicked generation? He rebukes them. And so Jesus rebukes her in John eleven forty. 40. She says, Lord, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead four days. And Jesus says, did I not say? Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, if I heard that from my dad, I was in trouble because he was referring to something he had already told me and I didn't listen. Did I not tell you to do this? Did I not tell you to stay away from there? Jesus says, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus is even teaching through his prayer. He's saying, Lord, I don't even need to pray out loud. I know you hear me, and I know you have always heard me when I pray, but I'm praying out loud so that the people around me can understand what's about to happen. Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And when he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, his face was wrapped with a cloth. That was probably a sight to see. He came out looking like a mummy. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go, and that's the story of Jesus with Lazarus. Now, isn't this interesting? That that word wept in the in the original. I don't know how to say this. Uh, edakrisen, Edakrysen, E D A K R Y S E N, Edakrysen, Edakrysen. That word is only used one other time in relation to Jesus. and It's in Luke 19.41, when Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Here's that passage, three verses. Luke 19.41. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city, Jerusalem, and wept over it. Why did he weep? Was he emotional? Was he filled with sadness and grief because of some sensual reason? Let's find out. These are Jesus' words. If you had known, even you, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. He starts with, if you had known if you had known, if you had had eyes to see and ears to hear, if you had believed, you would, have avoided of, you would have avoided all of this, but you didn't know, you didn't have eyes to see, you didn't have ears to hear, you did not believe, and therefore this is all coming to you, and that makes Jesus weep because of their unbelief. Guys, we don't like the idea of Jesus bitterly weeping at our unbelief. That that's what's happening in both stories we don't like the idea of jesus rebuking us some people might say jesus come on this is a this is a funeral like he's dead he's right there and he's dead this isn't the time for a sermon this isn't the time for teaching can can you just comfort us right now we need you to be our comforter listen you don't need comfort when you're in unbelief you need truth truth is what sets you free not a hug not the tingles. Now don't, if, if you take this and think that I'm saying hugs are bad, f- the presence of God is wrong, that is not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Jesus takes unbelief extremely seriously. And he also takes comfort and compassion very seriously. Matthew 15, 32, he had compassion on the crowd. Mark 1, 41, he had compassion on the group. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, he's the God of compassion. Psalm 34, 18, he's close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. This is who our God is. He is compassionate. He is loving. He is caring. He is ever-present. He is always with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. But he does not play around with unbelief. Belief is all we have. We're saved by grace through faith. Guys, we're saved because we believe. He says, these things you'll do also if you believe. These signs follow those who believe. Ask anything in my name without doubting and it shall be done for you. Nothing is impossible with God. How many verses do we need to understand that Jesus takes belief extremely seriously? To the point where he would rebuke someone at a funeral. Did I not tell you? You've forgotten. This is what he's saying to Lazarus' sister. Lord, if you'd only been here. And you can imagine the scene. And, And many of us would get very emotional. She's crying. Her brother's dead. She's at his graveside. She's near the tomb. She's weeping. Lord, if you had just been here, you should have been here. Lord, I can't believe you weren't here. Oh, look, you're rolling back the stone. Lord, it's been four days already. He already stinks. Oh, come on, Jesus. And he's saying, didn't I tell you? that this would not be unto death, you have gotten so caught up in the emotion of everything. You've gotten so caught up in the sensuality of seeing your brother get worse and worse and worse and pass away, and now he's been gone four days. You have gotten so caught up in what you see in the natural. You have forgotten what I have told you. And that makes Jesus weep. And how many times have we allowed that to happen? we have gotten so caught up in what we see or what we don't see or what we hear or what we're not hearing and what we're feeling. And all of a sudden, we let sensual evidence, we let earthly evidence, we let earthly wisdom, which is sensual and demonic, begin to cloud our way of thinking. And all of a sudden, we can't even see or remember the things that God has shown us or spoken to us through His Word. And we begin to pray like Lazarus' sister prayed from a place of sensuality. And I believe that there are prayers that we've prayed out of unbelief that have made Jesus weep because he said, didn't I tell you I was always with you? Didn't I tell you that I would be before you and I would go behind you and I would hem you in on all sides? Didn't I tell you that I'm working all things for your good? Now, of course, Jesus comes and there are times when he just comes in and he comforts us. The Bible even says that when we don't even know what to pray, when we're groaning and crying, we're praying through and interceding through groans in our spirit. I don't know about you, but I've had times when I've been on the floor just groaning. I couldn't even put words together. And I was weeping and I was travailing. I couldn't even pray. I just groaned in my spirit. The Bible says that God knows what I'm saying, and He's there with me. That doesn't change the fact that if I'm, if I'm in unbelief, the Lord will rebuke me and he wants to correct that. Because a comforting hug is not going to pull me out of that pit of unbelief. Truth will. This is what a good father does. Hey Bud, I know what you're I know what you're seeing and it looks really bad and you're looking at this, but hey, remember what I've said, this word. I've elevated my word above my own name. This word is the truth, and I need you to take your eyes off of the flesh. I need you to take your eyes off of what you see and your earthly wisdom and your natural human knowledge. Your ways are not my ways. I need you to hold on to this word, or I promise you you're going to be destroyed. Son, if you keep living for the flesh, if you keep living sensually, if you keep living off of earthly wisdom and knowledge, the enemy is going to absolutely destroy you because he works in that realm. He is going to try to do everything he can to throw you off. Look at the story of Job. The enemy took his family, took his health, took his resources, took everything from him. He even made it look like fire came down from heaven so that Job would blame God. Now, if you're living in the flesh, if you're living sensually, you've got a whole lot of reasons to stop believing God, but Job was a man of integrity. He knew who God was, and he would not forsake him. Come on, we need to have that kind of faith where it doesn't matter what we see, what we feel, what's happening or what's not happening, we never stop trusting and believing in God. And we can be the person who would stand at that graveside and say, Lord, I know what you've spoken to me. I know you said this wouldn't result in death. I'm so glad that you're here. I know it's been four days and everyone over here is crying, but I have not stopped holding on to your word. Thank you for coming, Lord. Do whatever you're going to do. I honor you. You're the Christ. I believe that you're going to raise my brother from the dead. That is the kind of response that Jesus wanted, and he didn't get it because she got caught up in everything she saw. She got caught up in her dead brother, and that unbelief made Jesus cry. So let's be people of belief. Let's be people of faith. He is who he says he is. We have the knowledge of, We have the mysteries revealed to us through the Son by way of the Holy Spirit and now we can walk in this place of faith where we don't have to cry these tears for no reason because how many of you know she didn't need to be crying by that tomb. She could have been standing there in faith saying, I know what it looks like and I know it looks bad but Jesus is coming to raise my brother. He told me he was coming and I can take that to the bank. We can still be in that place of faith today. So let's do it. Let's not be people of unbelief. Amen? Awesome. Well, hey, I hope this encouraged you. If it did, would you consider sharing this with someone else? Send it to someone else. I know this might be like a hot take or something like that, but I believe that, man, Jesus cares about our belief. It's important. If we're in unbelief, we're going to be unaffected. And just a further note... When Jesus was talking to those disciples who couldn't cast the demon out, he told them this kind of unbelief only comes out through prayer and fasting. And so if you find yourself in a place of unbelief, go on a fast. Go on a fast. I'm telling you, a three-day no-food fast, no food, nothing but just water, that will seriously get you guys just hypercharged in the Spirit, and that will cause all of your fleshly human desires and, and, and wisdom and your, your carnal knowledge and your human nature to just die so that you can start to see in the Spirit. Prayer and fasting at the same time, not just one or the other, but prayer and fasting is the only way to uproot serious unbelief. Jesus made that clear, and I've seen it in my own life. It's absolutely true. And uh, if you need a book on that, you need to check out The Atomic Power of Prayer and Fasting by Franklin Hall. It's like eight bucks on Amazon. So all of that to say, man, if this encouraged you, give it a share, like it, give us a review on Apple or Spotify. Um, I'm I'm promoting my own book that I wrote. It's a nine-week devotional that will help you go from a place of fear, unbelief, into faith. It's called I Will Always Overcome. Tell me that's not a, a declarative statement right there. I will always overcome because Christ is in me and He has overcome the world. It's $10. It's available on Amazon. Or you can go to my website, shanewinnings.com. You can buy it there, paperback, or ebook, or Kindle. Uh, Faith International University, incredible university. They've got bachelor's, master's, PhD programs. You can. Start a degree there. You can finish a degree there if you started somewhere else. Another amazing thing is you do school at your own pace. Take classes at your own pace. Finish your homework and assignments at your own pace. You can do it online. It's incredible. Check out faithiu.edu. Hit request information. Tell them I sent you there. And my friend John, who's the dean of students, is going to help you out. We have a massive stadium event. On September 3rd in Frisco, Texas at Riders Field, used to be called Dr. Pepper Stadium, we are gathering. I'm calling for 50,000 people. I think we can do it. I think we can pull 50,000. Can we pull 1,000 youth and parents from each state? One Voice Student Missions, Lou Engle and Upper Room. We are all collaborating to see Gen Z be saved and to see prayer back in schools and to see God be over this nation again. We are going after Gen Z, that they would know the love of God. So join us. It's free. You can register at Gen dot Jesus.com. Totally free. Just got to get yourself over here near Dallas. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Shane.winnings or on YouTube at Shane Winnings. And finally, I'm going to pray for healing. If you have a need in your body, I want you to just sit before the Lord, put your hand on that area that you need healing, and I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that you love us and that you hear us when we pray. I pray right now, God, that every sickness, every pain, every limitation would go in Jesus' name. Every disorder, leave now in Jesus' name. And I command your body to be healed right now in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining, guys. God bless you, and we will see you next time.